0: That I'm very encouraged to share. If you could, would you please turn to Ephesians chapter 3? We're going to start at verse 20. And the Lord has laid on my heart uh, something, I believe, from his spirit and a phrase that he wants to inject into his people. And that is, I'm expecting greater things. I'm expecting greater things. I think that we as the people of God in the face of this nation and in the face of world economics, world powers, and the way things are moving in the climate of life, I think the people of God need to have a greater expectation, amen? We don't get our news from the headlines, we get our news from the throne room, amen? And we're not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine or ideology or shifting of Of isms in the world. Our rock is the sure foundation of the Word of God, Jesus Christ. And my Lord says there's greater things coming. And so I'm expecting greater things. And I want to impart unto this body that expectancy for great things to happen to God in God. Amen? Greater things should be happening. Greater things will be happening, I believe, with all my heart. And so what I want to do is take you to this verse right here in Ephesians 3.20. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that's at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. That is a great declaration by Paul, isn't it? Does anybody believe it? You believe this? All right. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, the King James. I like that. Exceeding, like that's not enough. Exceedingly abundantly. How do you make more abundant that which is exceeding? Right? I mean, that's pressed down, shaken together, overflowing in your laps. That is something of an expectation that greater things are coming. And I believe that God has greater things in our lives that should be coming. So first of all, it's greater than we know. That's a very important key to this verse. The thing that's coming and the thing that God can do is more than you're expecting. Right? You see, we get disappointed when He doesn't answer our prayers. Because we have an expectation, I prayed for this and I want it. But what if he's doing something beyond what you ask for, beyond what you could even imagine? Then you should have an expectation for greater things. I think we should begin praying, we're praying too small. We're praying too little. Our expectation is we want this. I think when you pray, you should leave a comma on the end of your prayer. So the Lord can do something better than you could figure out. Can you imagine if God would conform himself to our image? Could you imagine if he answered prayers according to our dictates? There's greater things coming. What you prayed for today, would you understand that you barely hit the tip of the iceberg of what God wants to do for you and what he wants to do in this nation Do you think God loves this nation? Do you think God loves this church? Do you think God loves your neighborhood? Do you think God loves this area, Detroit? Do you think God loves it or do you think he's sick of it? I think he loves it. He proved it by sending his son and demonstrating that love on the cross so that he could redeem all of this. He has an expectation that he's going to redeem the world. That's why he sent us out into it. He has an expectation that we're going to go to all nations preaching the gospel so that people would learn to obey the Lord Jesus Christ. That's his expectation. He has an expectation that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess he's Lord. Is anybody with me here this morning? All right, so this greater thing's coming. Now, first of all, uh, you're wondering how that could be. And I'm glad you're in that place because you don't know. I don't know. So you need to be in a place of awe and wonder that there's greater things that I can't even imagine. I could imagine God turning this nation around. That means there's better than that coming. I could imagine He could bring revival to this community. That means there's even greater than that coming. Do you see what I'm saying? So the first point in this is that he's going to do more than we ask or imagine. So I'm expecting greater things. Now, secondly, it's according to the power that's at work within us. We need God to do it, but he's going to do it through us. And so we've got to be usable. Usable. Available. Available. And to believe to go into greater expectations, greater exploits, and greater things for the Lord. But the problem is, we don't know what they're going to be because they're beyond our imagination and beyond what we could even pray for. You just have to be available. Many times we've set an expectation into something we're walking into, and we limit what God's going to do. Who knows the tipping point on any one of our prayers and expectations? That if we would just be obedient and begin to walk, stop grumbling, stop complaining, the work's going to come from us. The nation's going to be changed by the church preaching the gospel. This community is going to be changed because God is going to use you to change it. Ooh, okay. So greater things are coming. So that would mean, now put this equation together. This is totally cool. Cool. That if He's going to do things above what you could ask or even imagine, and He's going to do them through you, there's greater things coming in you. That means there's greater things coming in you. Amen? And last of all, so that there will be glory in the church. The church needs to have glory in it. You know what glory is? Echad. In the Hebrew, it is the weight of His presence. I'm looking for the day, because there's things here we haven't even thought or imagined, and He's going to do with us, according to this verse, and I'm waiting for the day that when people walk through those doors, they can't make it up the aisleway because the weight of God's presence is going to keep them back at the back. We're going to have to put doors, they'll have to climb through the windows, but they can't get in, they'll be falling out here. We're going to have to just open it up. Maybe we'll get rid of the building. And just walk through the streets. That's what happened in the early church. Peter walked down the streets and people got healed by his shadow. Who would have thought of that? Do you think Peter said, you know what? I'm going to go to Solomon's temple today and worship. And I think that I'm going to have my shadow heal people. He had no clue. Right? You remember when he prayed for the, for the woman to rise? From the, he, he had no clue. He's preaching to Cornelius. He had no clue that Gentiles could get saved. He's preaching, and God's using him, and Cornelius and all his family start speaking in tongues and filled with the Spirit. He's going, what's going on here? I want to live like that. See, we always think the great men of God, hallelujah, praise God. We know exactly what we're looking for. You do this and you do that. And you know what? That's actually limiting to God. You know, go ahead and say those things, but God's going to do a exceeding abundantly above what you ask and think because he wants you to be totally freaked out too. <laughs> you're just going to be walking and going, oh, did you see what just happened? Right? I'm excited. There's greater glory. There needs to be glory in the church. And if you're saying, well, that's just for the, th- the early church, how about this? Through, oh, I didn't underline it. Gee. Throughout all generations. That includes you and I. This verse is speaking to us that throughout all generations there should be glory in the church and there is going to be glory in the church and it's going to be used and developed in us beyond what we're asking and what we're praying for. All greater things are coming. Amen? Greater things are coming. The law of expectation. Now, the New Age movement's picked up on this, the law of expectation, because it's a law of in the universe. I mean, Oprah's picked on this, picked up on this, the secret and all this, but this is just Scripture, the law of expectation. That if you put your expectation in something, you're going to see something develop, amen? I mean, people know about positive thinking, right? But we're not talking about positive thinking, we're, and we're not even just talking about positive confession. We're talking about the will of God. It's ordained, determined, predestined. We're walking in the faith of our Lord Jesus. The law of expectation says we get what we expect out of our life. We see what we expect to see. We feel what we expect to feel. We act the way we expect to act and eventually we achieve what we expect to achieve. There's a power in that. There's a strength in that. Sports, uh, athletic people do that. They, they visualize running across the finish line. Now they've got to work out so that they can run through the finish line, Right? You can visualize all you want, but you've never run. <laughs> Good luck. There's got to be a labor to it, too, so you've got to put your efforts towards it. But there's all that kind of expectation that we're going to accomplish it. But I love the verse we started with because what it is saying is you could have positive energy, you could have positive confession, you can have an expectation, but my God's going to do even better than that. You see, there's a realm into God that you've got to tap into and know that my God does exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask and expect. You know, you put a seed in the ground, you expect the plant to grow, right? There can be adversity, there can be problems, there can be bad weather, there can be all sorts of things, but we have an expectation. And as Christians there should be one constant expectation in our lives that God is good and God answers prayer and God will have his way. Is that good expectations? Why have we come to such a place to allow the world and life's conditions and fallenness dictate what God wants to accomplish? God will accomplish what he desires to accomplish. Now, there's a story about two boys. One was a pessimist and one was an optimist. And the dad was trying to just really, you know, speak into these kids' lives, so he thought he'd do an experiment. And so the boys, who were twins, uh, had a birthday coming up. So the dad decided to buy a ton of birthday presents and put it in the pessimist boy's bedroom. And then he got a a whole pile of horse manure and he put it in the other son's bedroom, the optimist's bedroom. And so at the end of the day, he comes and he hears crying and he thinks, "Ah, okay, the optimist is crying. He goes in there, no, it's the pessimistic kid. And he goes, goes, what's wrong? And he goes, there's so many toys here. All my friends are going to be jealous and I don't have enough batteries and they're all going to break down and get broken. (laughs) Sure. So then he goes over to the optimist's room because the kid's singing and jumping and dancing in the manure. And he says, what's going on here? He says, "Horse manure. There's got to be a horse in here somewhere. Listen, i got a God who came, died on the cross to bring the power of the resurrection into life and to deliver us and to save us and to heal us and to turn this world around. I've got great expectation for what God wants to do with His church. Greater things are coming. That's going to frame my heart and my understanding. Listen, I understand failed expectation. I know what it's like to have depression. Depression is a place where there is an absence of hope. I understand darkness. I understand the fear of death. I understand these things. My father committed suicide when I was 17. I understand what it feels like to face death and not know if what life is for and the reason for it. Some of the closest men in my life, my brother-in-law killed on a motorcycle when I was 30. All these things, loss in my life, and I had come to such a place of depression, I had no hope in anything. I know these feelings. I know them. I'm not just a rosy, happy guy. I've been through the muck and the mire and in a hole that I never thought I could ever climb out. But the one ray of hope that changed it and I began to see was that if there's a God, things have to change. And if things change, they can change for the better. And I didn't know how. I didn't know when. I didn't know where. I didn't know why or how any of this change would come. But the smallest twinkle and glimmer of hope changed my life so i'm telling you hope is a vision and depression uh uh in that place of sorrow i know there's clinical depression and i'm not going to have to qualify all the medical issues but i'm talking about just the sense of an absence of hope i want you to have a glimmer of hope that if there's a god he's going to change your condition And that hope is going to be everything that makes a difference. The world needs hope today. Somebody's got to give this world a glimmer of hope. And if we, the church, say we've got great expectations of what our God's going to do, we can get through it. Amen? How many of you remember Joseph? You see, there's a God factor in all of this. Joseph could have been a pretty bitter guy. He was sold by his brothers who wanted to kill him. They decided they'd be nice and just get rid of him. And they sent him off to Egypt, and, and every time, how many, is this like your life? Every time you thought you'd get somewhere, it was shoots and ladders. You'd get close to the end, and boom, right back down again. I think shootings and ladders is a demonic game. It's built to, <laughs> to frustrate you. We had to put it away. Our kids couldn't play that game. It caused too much emotional damage. Every time, and they put the biggest shoot right next to the end. Is that evil? That's evil. I guess someone, that's a pessimist who made this game. I want our kids to know that life is going to ruin them. You get that far, and you're going down. I had to plan that game so that I wouldn't win. Right? How many parents know you play games you cannot win? Right? Right? You can only play with one child at a time because if you play with two and one of them wins, forget about it. The night's ruined. I got off on chutes and ladders. But look, look, Joseph could have been bitter. He ended up in prison a couple of times trying to get out. It wasn't his fault. The lady was after him. He didn't do anything. He ends up in prison. He wants to get out. He tells a butcher and a baker, I don't know where the candlestick maker was. They forgot about him. He finally gets out, and then you remember what he said? What you meant for evil, God designed, determined, and made for good. That's the God factor in all of this. That's something that was in Joseph that he could say, greater things are coming, because God was still using him in the pit. God was giving this man interpretation and using him even in the pit. You might be in the pit, but God's still speaking to you in the pit. Because he's got greater things for you and greater expectation that is coming. God is going to do that. God has a providence and an ultimate purpose in all things. How many of you remember Abraham? It says in Romans chapter 4 that against all hope, Abraham hoped That's the God factor. That's the bit where it's supernatural, where you have something beyond your circumstances. Abraham's circumstance was this: you're going to have a child by natural birth, not not some surrogate situation. You and Sarah are going to have a child. Now here's the situation of reality. All right, this is the realist. Your body's dead. Sarah's body's dead. There's reality. And what happens with the God factor in life is that despite what reality says or at least looks like to me, there's a greater reality working in the realm of God. And against all hope on the visual plane, he hoped on the spiritual plane. Somebody with me this morning? What he could even not imagine could happen. Now, according to the power that was at work within him, he still had to follow through, if you will. And God made it happen against all hope. Look, at, you might be in a situation, this nation in a situation, this world in a situation, but against all hope, we put our hope in God. Greater things are going to happen. God said that He is going to heal and deliver and bring His Son to rule and reign. Greater things are coming. And you're a part of that. Amen? Now, hope is knowing that God is greater. Hope is trusting that God is good. Hope is waking, walking in freedom. Hope is eternal because as long as God is here, there is hope. This is God's world. This is God's plan. This is God's purpose. We have hope. Amen? Greater things are coming. Would you tell someone, expect greater things? Just say, amen. Expect greater things. Ha! <laughs> expect greater things. Paul said this in Philippians 1.18. I'm going to continue to rejoice for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage, so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Paul had such an expectation of hope. Paul had such an expectation of things happening that his life would either be given or he'd remain, no matter what, God's going to get the glory. That's like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I love this. They're thrown into the Hebrew, the Hebrew boys are thrown into the fire. And they said, if our God will, He'll deliver us. But if not, we ain't bowing. So whether we live or die, God is good. Now, can you say that? Whether I get through this problem or not, God is good. Whether I make it and and my marriage survives, God is still good. Whether they live or die, those of my loved ones, God is still good. And Paul said, look at whether I live or die, whether I get through this or not, I have good expectations. God's going to use me. God's going to use me. And and Paul was stoned. Paul was shipwrecked. Paul was beaten. Paul was all those things. And he says, you know, God's working all this out. I'm unveiling myself to God. I might get beat up another time. That's not a defeat. That's an opportunity for God. Huh? Can, Can we say that? I don't know what's coming to this nation. I don't know what's going to happen to our form of government as we know it. But that don't affect me because God's good. Use me, God, in the midst of it. Use me. Right? How many Christians have lived in lands that have been overthrown and overrun with other governments and other political systems? Did they say, oh, God's no longer on the throne. I've got to give up. One of the main things I saw in Russia when we were there, uh, I was there in, uh, I don't know when, Anyways, <laughs> it was before the wall came down. What was it, 92? Something like that. Is that right, Charlie? 91. Thank you. 91. He was with me. So, good thing. In 91, one of the things we saw as the wall came down and communists was, communism was defeated and all the churches were guttered because they were used for am, uh, ammunition dumps, and all these different things is there were Christians there and they outlasted communism communism came in for 70 years but you know what god is good and god is greater you can't kill it you can't stop it china tried to extinguish christianity did the christians give up the church has multiplied greater and farther than ever before you can't stop this thing right Gamaliel understood that he said if this is of god you can't stop it and it is of god for two thousand years greater things are coming Whether the economics change, whether our government changes, whether your situation changes, I don't change with them. I don't determine God by my outside external issues. My God's good. And I lend myself to greater things for God no matter what. Amen? We'll Go out in a blaze of glory. That's fine too. How many of you remember David and Goliath, right? Everybody said he's too big, we can't kill him. David said he's so big I can't miss him. Now, that's an expectation, right? All right, so let me take you some, through some really practical ways to get this mindset. Greater things are coming. I expect greater things to come. Say it again. I expect greater things to come. All right, now the first one is, is how you set your day. When you get up in the morning, all right, when you start your day, the first 10 minutes of your day is established in your heart and mind what to do. Do you know that God has ordained plans for you for that day from the beginning of eternity there are providential things that god has established to be accomplished that day but you woke up on the wrong side of the bed now god's going to have his way you can either sing into that thing or he'll push you into it so what are you going to do right i like what the psalmist said in the morning O lord you hear my voice in the morning i lay my requests before you and wait in what expectation you got to have God in your day you have to have an expectation now how many of you have had days that just got worse from the minute you hit the floor yeah Mm Mm-hmm. but your understanding of the Lord can can it change that whole thing emotionally by the end of the day you might be just tore up and beat up but you know God is good And God's going to work something out in this. This is what the world needs. They don't have this power of hope. Faith is the substance of things that are hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's above what we ask or even imagine. But at the end of the night, when you've been beaten up through that whole day and you lay your head to rest, you say, God, I don't know what happened, but you're in control, right? So set your expectation to the Lord. And start off the Lord. That's why he told Jeremiah, my mercies are fresh and new when? Every morning. Right? He's better than the milkman. That reference is lost on everybody that's 30 and under. There is no milkman. And unless you're looking for a house in this neighborhood, you don't even know what a milkshoot is. Right? All right, well, God delivers right on time. God always delivers. Now, how about this? Number two, you have to trust God's character. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. God is good. We cannot forget that. In the midst of our trials, we need to know God is good good. I trust his character. I don't know half the time why things happen the way they happen. And being a pastor, everybody wants me to know why things happen the way they happen. And I have absolutely no idea why things happen the way they happen, unless I can see the path you took that got you there. But if that's not the case, I do know one thing. My God is good. I trust his character. I trust his character at all times. It may look like something. Egyptian army coming at us, very strong, with chariots, water in front of us, we're in trouble. But Moses turned to God. And God had a way of escape. Amen? You see, you have got to set your expectation on God. He will work all things together for the good. And that in the Greek, that sense of working towards the good, the Greek concept is he made a pattern. He has woven this thing together for good. There is a pattern of goodness over your life, a pattern of sovereignty to the goodness and to the glory of God. You may have to go through a valley, but God put that valley there for the goodness that he's going to accomplish in us. Greater things are coming. Amen? Third thing, hope in God. Find your confidence in God in the midst of fear and anxiety. Fear and anxiety will come on us. It'll scare us. It'll frighten us. But you have to reset your mind. Set your heart on things above. Fix your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll see this language over and over. Set your hope on the Lord. Amen? And so there's a setting, there's a fixing, there's an adjusting. So you get hit by a wave of something, you get back up, and you refocus, and you reset your mind, not on the situation, but on God. I want to read to you 2 Corinthians 1.8, Paul says this, and he says this, I'm going to read it from the Message Bible, which is a paraphrase. We don't want you in the dark, friends, about how hard it was when all this came down on us in Asia. It was so bad, we didn't think we were going to make it. We felt like we'd been sent to death row, that it was all over for us. And as it turned out, it was the best thing that could have ever happened. Instead of trusting in our own strength and our own wit to get out of it, we were forced to trust in God totally. Not a bad idea, since He's the God who raises the dead. And He did it. He rescued us from certain doom. And He'll do it again, rescuing us as many times as we need rescuing. You and your prayers are part of the rescue operation, and I don't want you in the dark about that either. You see, the sense that whatever you're going through, God is using it. God is ordaining it. Greater things are going to happen. Trust God. Know God. Get fixed on the plan He has for you. Last of all, stop being a declaration of doom, right? Now, when I was growing up, there was a cartoon called Gulliver's Travel, Gulliver's Travel. And there was a character, do you remember this, Vince? And There was a character named Glum, right? And I think he was kind of like Eeyore. How many of you remember Eeyore with Winnie the Pooh, Right? All right, many of us walk around like this because our expectations have failed. And so we talk to God like that. And you know why we do? We do it to cause Him to do something for us. So that He'll hear our grumbling and He'll make us shut up. We try to use psychology on God. Really, we do. We go, Oh, it'll never work. That was Glum from Gulliver's It'll never work. Let's do this. They'd think of all these clever ideas, and then Glum would say, It'll never work. Eeyore was the same way, right? Let's do this. It's a miserable day. Nothing's going to work. God doesn't answer prayer. God doesn't care. And we're expecting him to go, Oh, yes, I do! Zap! The only one we're defeating is ourselves. I think all these characters were based on this guy, Thomas. You look at poor Thomas in Scripture, right? Right? Jesus says, we must go to Jerusalem. And, uh, and everybody's going, don't go to Jerusalem. Gonna, they're mad at you. They're going to kill you. This isn't a good thing. He said, I must go to Jerusalem now. And Thomas said, all right, let's all go to Jerusalem and die. <laughs> then, then Jesus rises from the dead, and everybody, hallelujah, we saw Jesus. He's alive. He said, I don't believe it. I won't believe it till I see him and put my fingers in his side. You know what was interesting about God, what Jesus did? He waited a week. He waited a week. Why would he wait a week? Isn't that interesting? Because Thomas is a figure of Israel. Jesus rose from the dead, and he declared who he is, and all the Gentiles accepted him, but there's one group that didn't. And Israel has to wait for that period of time till Christ will appear to them once again. And here's Thomas. I'm not going to believe it till I touch and see it. Many of us are like that. We're the woe is me. It's not going to happen. Nothing's going to good. You know, and your law of expectation will rise to that level. You can't get God to do something because you're making Him do something. Walk in His goodness. Have an expectation for that which is good. Amen? So, last of all, you need to come to a place where you're going to be encouraged that great things are happening. You hear a testimony of someone over there. Don't get jealous of them. Oh, he does it for them and never for me. I hate testimony time. Oh, God, God, God. Nothing ever happens in my life. Right? Sad sack. There's another one, right? And then in peanuts, the cloud. uh, Oh, no, no, that's just dirt. Linus. Yeah, right? Right? Pig pen just had the cloud. Yeah. Wow. We need encouragement. We need to help each other. And when you're down, you need to ask someone else, you know, help. I need help to edify, to grow, to encourage. And so, brothers and sisters, I believe that God wants us to have a sense of expectation. Greater things are coming. That is the promise of God. I expect better things for this nation. I don't know who's going to get elected, but I'm going to vote according to the moral uh aspect of leadership that we have. Everyone in this place is a moral leader. You're a Christian, so you have a moral anointing upon you to speak for what is moral and right. And so we vote morality. We vote for what the Bible says. We declare what God wants done in this nation. Now doing that, I don't know what the rest of the nation's going to do, and I don't know who's going to get elected, but you do your part with greater expectation. And guess what? Whoever does get elected, I have greater expectation that that's not going to change anything. God's going to change everything. I have an expectation that the church is going to rise up. And I have an expectation that we can change this nation. I have an expectation for that. I have an expectation that great things are going to happen with this church. God's going to do something for us. If I didn't, you you need to get rid of me. Vote me out. But if you have a pastor that says, well, we'll try again sometime. Thanks for coming anyways. (laughs) Seriously? Seriously? Come on! I've got great expectation for what God's going to do in this city through this church. Great expectation for the miracles, the healings, the deliverance, the salvations that are coming. That this community is going to be changed. That this is going to be a floodlight, a beacon in the community. I have great expectation for that. I have great expectation for you and your family. I believe that there's going to be reconciliation and healing and mending going on in your household. And as you're growing and maturing, I believe that God's going to use you to reach to your family. I have expectation that in you, you're going to see greater things happen in your life than never before. It's time to put off the delay uh, that you've had in the anointing of God. He's going to lift you to a new level. I have an expectation that you're moving into leadership. You're moving into authority. It's time to move into that next level of expectation. Amen? And bring someone with you. Let's bow our heads. Father, we give you glory today. Hallelujah.